Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort. And today we travel to South Texas, where we visit Jorge Cruz Aido, who is the Chief Executive Officer of the Corpus Christi Regional Transportation Authority. I visited Jorge in his offices in downtown Corpus Christi, got to meet with the staff, actually taught them one of my classes, the five hidden flaws of most major transit systems, which they seem to enjoy, and got to tour the operations and spend some time with Jorge, and found out that he just finished uh, celebrating his fifth year as CEO of the agency. He's got a good background in transportation and also city management, he was an assistant city manager there for Corpus Christi. The transit agency serves a large service area of 900 square miles. And I was impressed that they have an intermodal transportation facility right in their main office where Greyhound buses um, meet passengers there. And they've got an in- inside facility for the passengers to wait. Very nice how he's, uh, as part of his culture change, is making sure that they serve the inner city transportation needs as well. He also tells us about a new pilot he's working on to bring an autonomous vehicle bus to a local college campus. All that on this edition of Transit Unplugged. What does it mean to be a successful public transit agency? What are you doing to lead the way? It's time to learn from the top transit professionals in North America. This is Transit Unplugged with your host, Paul Comfort. I'm Paul Comfort, your host of Transit Unplugged, and today I'm excited to be in Corpus Christi, Texas, to meet with Jorge Cruz Aedo, who is the CEO of the Corpus Christi Regional Transportation Authority. Thanks so much for having us here today. Paul, welcome to South Texas. Yeah, this is great here. We're in a beautiful office he's got with uh, a good look over the city and a big bridge back there that you told me is going to be replaced soon, huh? We're going through a $1 billion bridge replacement. Wow. That will be completed in about two years' time. Where does that go to? It it goes to San Patricio County, uh, Rockport, Aransas Pass, Port Aransas, gotcha. uh, and places further north. So a lot of people across North America maybe is, aren't clear exactly where Corpus Christi is. Kind of position it for us, where it's next to, and stuff that people may have heard of. Sure. We're, uh, we're located on the Gulf Coast, the coastal bend. In South Texas, uh, we are southeast of San Antonio and uh, southwest of Houston, to kind of give you perspective. Uh, We're a a very strong, vibrant community, uh, heavy into petrochemicals and agriculture. Uh, We have the Port of Corpus Christi, which is uh, fourth or fifth in in exports of uh, crude and agricultural products. Uh, so a very active port, a uh, very active community, and uh, an area that I'm, I'm glad to serve. All right, is, is the, uh, with the Padre Islands, or is that part of your, your area? To the east uh, is the northern portions of Padre Island going south all the way down to uh, South, Padre, South Padre Island, uh, close to Harlingen. So. And so your transit agency itself, tell us about the service area, that, you know, how many people, miles, whatever. We have a service area of a little under 900 square miles. Mm. So we have a huge uh, area that we serve, and we serve all of it. Uh, We uh, do that with various modes. Uh, We have a population of around 400,000 in the area that we are servicing and uh, have annual ridership of around 5.5 million rides per year. Uh, an average of around 17,000 rides on a given day. Okay, very good. And I noticed here at your headquarters, 
you have a nice integration with intercity transportation as well as your own bus service. We have a true intermodal system. Uh, we have uh, Valley Transit, which runs the, the local Greyhound service uh, that comes into our facility here, allows those riders to be able to connect uh, to uh, our entire system in the Corpus Christi area. So it's a, it's a great uh, uh, unity project that we were able to do and uh, our community has really appreciated those efforts. How long have you been CEO here? I've been CEO, I'll be uh, CEO in a couple of days, five years oh, nice. for the RTA and, and was recently blessed to be given a few more years on my contract. So. Things are going well, and well, thank you. Yeah. Things are going well. We are, our focus is about the customers, our riders, and uh, most of them are rider dependent, and we we stress the the customer service with respect and dignity to our riders. They're the ones that uh, that need us. About a third of them, of the 5.5, use us to go to work. Uh, the other third use us to go to school. Yes, even elementary school students ride our system, wow. middle school and our universities. And the other third use us for the general life functions that you need transportation. If we weren't in our community, uh, those 5.5 million rides uh, would not have access to transportation in this community. So we, we value that to a great extent because we want to ensure that we do it timely and that we get them to where they need to be. And tell us about the modes of service that you operate here. We're, uh, we're primarily a uh, fixed route system. Mm -hmm. We do have paratransit, which is a ever-growing demand for that service. We also have uh, commuter services. We have... Commuter bus? Commuters. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Right. We also have park and rides. Uh, we also have uh, van pools, which are really growing in our area. And uh, kind of a, a precursor, we are... Uh, on the verge of implementing an autonomous vehicle schedule at the uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi. So we're quite excited about that. Yeah. Uh, it's scheduled to be operational this fall during the start of the school year for Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Very nice. So tell us a little about your story. Uh, how did you end up here as CEO? And what's your background? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm a, I'm a degreed accountant, so I'm a numbers kind of guy. Okay. I spent 27 years in local government and rose to the position of assistant city manager here in Corpus Christi. Retired from that and uh, did a little bit of work in the private sector. I knew the previous CEO and he asked if I could come and help him in the finance areas as his finance officer. I did that as a, as a favor to a friend. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed the service of providing transportation to those in need and uh, Continued to try to do a good job, and uh, several transitions later, uh, after serving several times as interim CEO, okay. I was uh, given the opportunity to take over the position. We've enjoyed the the five years as CEO and five years as the chief financial officer here at the RTA. Okay, so you've been here 10 years? Yes, sir. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Tell me about some of the things you're proud of that you've been able to accomplish over the last five years. Well, we took over. Ten years, actually. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we took over the agency when the uh, the community had begun to lose some confidence in their RTA, and that was because we've had uh, some employee situations that we shouldn't have had. We had some managerial issues we shouldn't have done. We had. Uh, a political situation that was not really conducive to operating an efficient system. Over the, the last five years, I'm very proud 
to say that we've worked with the board to build board relationships. We've cleaned up our house, so to speak, by uh, establishing what uh, the conduct is we want and expect from our employees. I tell my employees, if you do the right things every day, you can get faulted for the way you comb your hair, but they won't fault you for how you do your work. And we've been able to uh, demonstrate that. Uh, We're very transparent. That's a priority here. We do things the right way. We recognize when things aren't perfect by uh, taking quick action. They've, uh, they said we are a no-nonsense organization, and we are. We establish the conduct that we want for our employees. We establish the benchmarks we want for our system. We look at the data to be sure that we are meeting the needs of the community and uh, evaluating our employees against uh, what the, they need to be doing. In other words, uh, we make everyone accountable for their, for their roles here and uh, have those expectations and we measure against that. Five years ago, if the RTA was doing something, there were many questions about what we were doing. Today, the expectation is the RTA is rolling out something good that the community can experience. So from being questioned for everything we were doing to being supportive in everything we do, we've come a long way and I'm very proud of that. So it sounds like, uh, if I were to summarize, tell me if this is right, so you focused on improving the culture of the agency, uh, and then you worked on making it more transparent to the community as you were able to improve that, while at the same time establishing the key performance metrics that you hold yourself accountable to, as does the community, to make sure your performance is also where it needs to be. That's correct. And now you're on a place to expand maybe and try some new things. We have the confidence now from the community and our board to begin to offer new innovative solutions to our mobility needs in this community. That's great. So tell me some about how you're structured. You, you mentioned the board a couple times. Mm-hmm. You have a board and how are they appointed, those kind of things. Sure. What's your governance structure? We have an 11-member board. Five of those members are appointed by the city of Corpus Christi, our largest city. Okay. We have three members that are appointed by Nueces County, which is our largest county that we serve. And then we have uh, two members that are appointed by uh, the small mayors. Since we do go into San Patricio County a little bit, and uh, we do have several smaller communities in Oasis County, they, uh, the committee of mayors, as we call them, they, they have uh, two seats that they can appoint. So that makes 10. Mm-hmm. And then from the board themselves, they get to elect a chair. It can be from within or it can be someone external. And then that chair, uh, in essence, comprises the 11th member of this board. Uh, it, uh, it has worked well. Uh, they're not elected to the position. They're appointed. They have two-year terms. And there's a cap of six years of service before they, uh, they are termed out, so to speak. Okay. Mm-hmm. And do all those jurisdictions contribute financially to the agency? Every entity, small cities, San Patricia, part of San Patricia County, Nueces County, all of Nueces, and the city of Corpus Christi are all contributing half a percent, 5.5 percent uh, sales tax to the RTA. Okay. And that helps us operate the system. So the sales tax and fares pays for the uh, operation of the system. We use our federal funding that we become eligible for through formula and our competitive grants for our capital acquisitions that we have. Okay. Uh, We have a... For uh, being a, what I call a small urban system in Texas, right. we have very good equipment that uh, we give our employees to provide the service. So 
the two greatest assets I have is that, that equipment and those employees that are committed to doing a good job. How many employees do you have? We have uh, 250 authorized positions. I wish I could fill all my operators, yeah. but I have 250 authorized, and we, we are around oh, 210, 220 at any given point in time. And I have 150 employees through MV, our contractor of paratransit and some of our fixed route services. Okay. So a total, you know, about 400 employees that we operate. And what's your annual operating budget? We operate with around $40 million a year, and uh, we're, we're sustainable. We are able to look at new innovative programs to improve our fixed route services and other services. I'd like to challenge our employees to... Uh, keep moving forward and keep doing good things for the community. Now you've got, in Texas, do I understand this right, that you have authority to go up to one full cent on sales tax to support paratransit? We don't here in Corpus because okay. uh, there, there are several components that other entities can do, and I know the city of Corpus Christi, through their seawall, through their crime prevention, through their economic development, have all the, the slots filled. Oh, I got gotcha, you, But, yeah. uh, but you're at, able to make it work with a half cent. At a half cent, cent we're doing good. And I'm I'm blessed that we have a dedicated funding source that many That's in right. this country do not have. Yeah, even in Washington, D.C., where I used to work some at WMATA, they, mm. they're the largesse of the community sure. has to be determined every year. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, 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 I joke with uh, some of my peers in the industry because at 75 cents per ride, I'm one of the lowest fares in the country. Oh, that's your fare? Yeah. Wow, that is great. Yeah. And in fact, I, 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 I 75 kid, cents a ride. I kid with my board that when I was in Thailand visiting some family that I have there, uh, it, was, it was cheaper to ride my uh, system in Corpus than it was to ride buses or rail in uh, Bangkok, Thailand. Yeah, I bet you. Yeah. Are your buses diesel-fueled or...? We have a diversity. The majority of our fleet, including paratransit vehicles, are compressed natural gas. Oh, okay. Texas compressed natural there gas. There you go, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Fort Worth is big on that too, they yeah, told me. Yeah. yeah. It's saving us approximately a million and a half a year in our fuel costs. Wow. Yeah. The remaining portion of the, the fleet, around you know, 25, 30%, is still uh, diesel. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, uh, we, we like that mix. We will probably introduce a, a mix of some, some electric over the next few years to help us have a diverse fleet so that no matter what the situation is, we, we are able to provide service. I say that because one of our primary functions as part of the city's emergency management plan, mm-hmm. since we are hurricane-prone, but not uh, just solely for, for that, we participate and have an emergency plan that calls on the RTA to provide emergency evacuations for the entire community. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and as I said, if it's 900 square miles, we have a huge area to yeah. evacuate. That's why it's important to have a fleet that's diversified. That's why it's important to have a fleet that is also diversified, not only in fuel, but in size and capacity, because we will be called upon, as we were during Harvey, to implement the service. We, we take that very seriously because it's extremely important for the safety of our community that uh, we work tandem with our county and our cities to evacuate the community. 
That's good. Yeah, that's very important. So tell me about what you've got. So that's kind of the scope of your service. Tell me about what's coming, like what's in your capital budget? What new programs do you have coming? Maybe a little bit about your new autonomous vehicle. Well, we do have a program with uh, autonomous vehicles that we're looking to implement in an uncontrolled environment. And by that, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a dedicated pathway. We're going to have students and cars and, and traffic to work through. But the autonomous circulator is going to be on campus at Texas A&M Corpus Christi. It's part of the Texas A&M system in, in the state of Texas. That circulator will be able to operate on campus throughout the year, not only fall and spring, but also the summer sessions. It'll operate eight hours a day on campus and uh, provide uh, the students with autonomous vehicle capacity inside the campus in Texas. You don't want to walk long stretches no, yeah. in the summertime because it gets, it gets pretty warm. And uh, we're pretty tropical, so it's important for us to have air conditioning and obviously it'll have heating. So that would be a big plus for our ridership. And it's going to add about 80,000 riders to our system. So that's we're great. excited about that. But that's uh, from a service perspective, and that'll be offered uh, hopefully this, this uh, fall in August of okay. 2019. We've already acquired the property, but we're looking to uh, demolish and rebuild our Port Air Station. That's the second largest uh, facility we have in the transfer business here. Yes. It's on our west side, which is the area that has uh, a large number of our riders. Uh, We've acquired a bank that we're going to be demolishing so that uh, we can expand the transfer station. We're expanding it because the old design provides too many uh, nooks and crannies that uh, are not conducive to providing a safe environment. And uh, we it'll be an open side of line to, in essence, provide some additional uh, safety measures for our customers. It also gets us off the public roads so that we can do our transfers in protected areas. And we are on the verge of beginning the demolition of the bank. So if anyone looks looking to acquire some uh, some safe deposit boxes or, <laughs> or a safe, let us know. Yeah. I happen to have a few. Okay. <laughs> so we'll, we'll be doing that. That's about a $6 million project. Wow. We are also working with our local community college, Del Mar. Mm-hmm. They're going to build a new campus on the south side of the community. Our south side is, has the highest density of population in the community. It has an untapped number of riders that we want to attract to the system. We've worked with them. They're dedicating the land, and we're going to be putting a substation on campus to help get the students to Del Mar and also help us with uh, attracting new riders in that area. There will be two stations that make up the components, a partnership with the college, they're not charging us for the land. We'll be, in essence, building some new facilities out there. That's in Stretch the, the routes out there and all correct, that. Correct. Yeah. Allow us to move further south where the density is. Yeah. And that'll, uh, that's uh, about a $2.5 million project when all is said and done. And then on uh, a set of good repair, the less glamorous things yeah. is we need to uh, look at our maintenance facility and make improvements to uh, the pads we have out there. When we bought that facility about 20 years ago, it had the thickness of the of the aprons of six inches. And by transit professional friends out there, you know you need at least eight. And uh, we have, we're having failure, so we need to go ahead and begin apron work out there. And that's mm-hmm. uh, probably about another million and a half or so that we're looking at. You gotta 
keep what you got, and you got to keep it in, in good working order. Right. Uh, our peak pull is about 57 buses, and I need to get them out and ready to go. Do you have an annual replacement program for them? Or? We, we do have replacement programs. Our, our spare ratio is a little on the high side right now, but uh, we're transitioning a few buses out and uh, working on that. I like, uh, for me, as a former CEO, I always had too many spares, too. But I always <laughs> felt like it's better to be safe than sorry, you know? Well, you got to meet, you gotta meet pull out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so and those are kind of the projects that we have and, and all, obviously the equipment on rotation. Again, I always want to give my employees the best equipment to work with, and I ask that they do the best job that they can with the customer focus. Mm-hmm. They're doing that. I, I would put my agency up in comparison to any other yeah. And uh, I met your staff this morning at our at your staff meeting. You've got a tremendous team who is supporting you, your professional team. They're committed, and we joke regularly. I say, you know, these aren't jobs; these are lifestyles. Because you got to love what you do. That's right. And uh, if you love what you do, then you do it even better than than if it's just an eight to five job. Yep. Tell me about the safety component of your system. Do you work? Do you have your own road supervisors or police department, or do you work with the city? Or how does that work? Yeah, it's a good question because obviously. Safety is number one concern, right. whether it be for the customer or the employee. We do have our own road monitors that routinely are out there. We also have contracts with individual police officers okay. to staff our needs. We have police officers at all our stations. We have police officers that rove our system. We have police officers that ride our system. And we have police officers that are available to be deployed within the day at any facility. So we, we spend a lot on, on law enforcement. Uh, we have a great pool of police officers to, to pick from. Not only do we have the Corpus Christi Police Department, but we have the Dueces County Sheriff's Department. Mm. We have the school districts that we use. We use the constables here. We even use Texas Department of Public Safety officers do uh, the work. So uh, we use quite a bit and we have a good pool that we can draw from. So we uh, we have individual contracts with the officers to provide okay. safety for us. That's good. We're in, a, in, in the downtown area. So we have the typical problems that people have in, in downtown. We do have some homeless situations and others, but I view that to be uh, something that we just need to work to be sure that uh, we provide safety. Homeless and transit agencies, we provide safe zones for that. If you're homeless, what better place to be than at, a, at, R, at the RTA? Because we provide police protection. Uh, there's facilities here they can use. And, and uh, so long as you provide them the services they need and, and do it uh, in a respectful way, things tend to work out better than just trying to keep them out. So, mm-hmm. I noticed here at your facility, I was here early this morning and saw out back where you have your, uh, what do you call that, your bus lane? or Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you had monitors there who were helping people. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Do you have that? I mean, is that a regular part of your program where somebody's at these bigger hubs explaining to people how to use the system and things? In fact, for example, we even run our police officers through customer service training, not through their normal law enforcement okay, initiative. Yeah. But what we need in the, in the areas of customer, we, we, we train them on our routes, we train them on That's our great. schedules so that so they, they can, can provide be, information. Yeah. They can, they're not there just to harass people. They're there to yeah. help you and provide safety for you. As I said, our focus is customer service. So yeah. the whole organization is centered 
on providing the best customer service to whoever that rider is. That's great. I'm hoping you're willing to talk about this some because I think it's so unique that other transit agencies can learn from you about how you acquired this facility and how you lease out some of it. Yeah. Uh, you built a little bit more so you'd be ready for the future. In the meantime, you've turned it into a revenue center. Can you t- tell us anything about that? I think it's very unique. Yeah. We, we built a uh, 90,000 square foot facility, a building. Yes, an office we're sitting bu- in right now. An yeah. office building. Yeah. And uh, it had a price tag of $34 million. And uh, to help finance that, we put together a package that included not only tax-exempt financing, but taxable financing. In other words, those the, the when you get your interest payment from the RTA, that's a taxable amount that you got to include in your income tax, unlike many right. other right. uh, tax-exempt financing yeah, yeah. where, you, where your dividends are, are not taxable. And we did it with the intent of overbuilding the facility. People are going to say, my God, why did you overbuild? Yeah. Well... That, uh, that would give us an opportunity to lease portions of it out so that we could help offset some of our costs. Tell them about how you, what you uh, guaranteed, how you guaranteed future revenue for it. In Texas, you can't pledge sales tax. You can't commit sales tax to pay the debt. So what I did is... And that's we, your primary funding source. That is right. about 85% of our funding. So yeah. I took the other portion and not called it fair, but called it system revenue. All the systems that, uh, all the monies I get from everything else. Yes. And I pledged the system revenue to, uh, to help repay the, the debt. That ended up being uh, more than enough because I can even use my lease payments that right. I get as a form to repay yeah. the debt. It's very creative. Only a mind of a CFO would figure <laughs> that out like you've so, That's very so good. So we, uh, we, uh, we took it and uh, I've leased out about 49% of my building. And I leased it out within months of opening. And if you know any commercial building, you know you always have vacancies. Right, right. We have a very nice facility. Public transportation is right outside the door. Exactly. You can access it. Uh, City Hall is across the street. Uh, The county courthouse is two blocks over. The independent school district is two and a half blocks over. So we're right smack in the middle of of the downtown area. We took when we consider blighted property pieces, right. put them together, and through this transit development, we were able to, to build this 90,000-square-foot facility. And this is where all your administrative staff is? All the operations, administrative operating departments here. Okay, yes. Our maintenance facility and the op center is at, uh, it, at another facility. But uh, we operate it. We take about 51% of the building, I have 49% of the building leased out to tenants. And we, they're paying for the majority of your And they payments, coincidentally right? yeah. pay for 51%. That's awesome. So the, the more than half of my uh, operating cost of this building is paid for by the tenants. And as our need for office space grows over time, right. then we will be able to take up more of the building. It's in, it was a program that we looked at not just for the short term, right. not just for five years, right. not just for, it's a 50-year program that by the 50th year, we will likely be the primary users of this building. Yeah, I think that's just brilliant. 
that you uh, plan for. Everybody knows construction costs only continue to go up. And when you have downtown property, it's hard to pull all that together mm -hmm. as you go forward. So getting all that done and pledging future leases right. to help pay for it. That's just, it's really good, Jorge. Yeah. It's a great, great, <laughs> very unique. I haven't heard anybody else tell mm -hmm. me a story like that, how they got their facility. So that's great. It has worked well. And again, the, uh, the facility is, as you can tell, a nice facility. They call it a class four building, which okay. is kind of an upper yeah. upper level building. And my comments to our stakeholders were, when they built the White House, they didn't build the White House with the mentality of you wanted to low bid the thing. Mm -hmm. You built it with marble. You built it with amenities that would last forever. And I took that approach here with uh, this community to say, yeah, my critics called it a Taj Mahal. But now that we're in it and we're fully occupied, not one criticism <laughs> from anyone on this building. That's great. As we're wrapping up our time, let's talk a little bit about what the future holds. I mean, I've been very impressed with the state of Texas in their transit systems. Mm -hmm. I've visited Dallas and a lot of your neighbors, Fort Worth, met with Paul Ballard, you know, there, yeah. and over to uh, Austin recently and San Antonio and now here. Tell us, do you all work together in an association or how do you all work together as agencies? Well, we do have in Texas the Texas Transit Association, mm -hmm. and it's a, an association that is mostly made up of CEOs of the, the hundred or so transit authorities that are here. I mean, we have, many of them are rural mm -hmm. and many of them uh, have different transit needs than, than the urban. Sure, yeah. But I, I have learned a lot from my peers, DAR, Houston Metro and Trinity yeah. and Cap Metro and Via right, and, great and, systems. Oh, yeah. The CEOs there have shared much of their knowledge with me. I've only been a CEO for five years. Right. And I've only been with, in transit 10 years. And uh, the, the knowledge they have voluntarily shared with me, the willingness to hear when I have a concern and I say, hey, I'm dealing with this. How have you dealt right. with it? And to hear the, uh, the honest and forward dialogue with my peers in Texas it's tremendous, and uh, the, the network here is very strong, and I'm an officer of it, and okay. yeah. forward to continuing to work so with them. Good, and you know, your executive director used to work for me at MTA. Correct. He Correct. was in my uh, legislative office, Eric, Correct. yeah, and just won big time on uh, Jeopardy, <laughs> yeah. one of the big winners. He did, yeah, he did, he Jeopardy. did. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, this is great, Jorge. I think what you've built together with your team here is a real example of a small urban system running at full capacity. Mm -hmm. You're running, kind of hitting on all eight cylinders. You've got the culture. I can tell by, I spent a couple hours with your staff mm -hmm. this morning. They are engaged motivated, intelligent people who are working kind of hand in glove with you and the city to make this the, the optimal transit system you could have. I'm very excited for your system here and the future that you've mapped out and uh, look forward to continue to watch you grow and improve and be a model for other cities this size across North America. Yeah. Paul, thank you. And you're always welcomed here at Corpus Christi, Texas. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Transit Unplugged, powered by Trapeze Group. To stay up to date, subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, or join the conversation at transitunplugged.com. Thanks for listening.